You know, this has been a very crazy time, you know, just an understatement that we, 2020 is like over. It's like, it's, it's September and I thought 2020 is going to be an awesome year. It's, it's like, it just went all the way uh, left field and uh, it happened in such a way that this year just passed by so quickly. I was chatting with a friend that, what? It's almost like the last quarter of the year. In fact, he sent me photos of places just bring out the Christmas trees and all that. They just, I think everyone just want this year to be over. They just want this year to go by. Let's start afresh in 2021. And there are also some questions about, from people about, you know, James, what am I going to do? You know, that church, we don't get to meet on Sabbath at church physically. And, and I don't really get to go to work. My whole rhythm of my life has been just thrown upside down. My whole world has changed. Indeed, I think a lot of things that we used to do, a lot of ways we used to live our life is now no longer going to be the same. We're not going to get it back. And I think that's what we need to accept, that we're not going to go back into life before this pandemic. There's going to be a new way of life. I remember, so yesterday is 9-11. And I remember that in 2001, when 9-11 happened, we were hoping things would go back. You know, I remember when we used to fly, and it used to be so easy. So easy to fly, go to the airport, one and a half hours, one hour before, you'd be fine. I remember when 9-11 happened, I was just getting ready to fly overseas for my studies, you have to go to the airport three hours or three and a half hours before and you go through so many checks, so many checks, and there's so many things that are restricted. I think some of them till today, they're just only starting to discuss taking it out of the requirements where, remember, we used to be able to put like a whole two-liter bottle of shampoo in our, check, our bring airport luggage and bring onto the plane. It's fine. We can bring water bottles in our, our luggage and it's fine. But now, now you're going to put in little like you know, 100 mil boxes, uh, bottles, and it has to be a clear, transparent holder bag, and, you know, there's a lot of things that's no longer allowed. But you know what? We got used to it. We got used to this new way of life. In fact, it became normal to us. They would go earlier to the airport. We know how to pack our bags. We'll fly with a certain restriction. Of course, after a while, after nine or, or ten years, the restrictions are starting to ease. And so this pandemic has, has, is one of those events. It seems to come around every ten years where it drastically is going to change our life. But are you going to be like pushed along by the waves of what's happening around you? Or are you going to decide how you're going to live your life that you can continue to thrive in the midst of this shaking and tossing? Let me introduce you to this guy. This guy is Michael Vasquez. Michael Vasquez is one of like, the guys I really respect, right? So I, I first knew him uh, about five years ago. I was going through YouTube videos and I saw this crazy dude. This crazy dude who can do push-ups and he can push himself off the, off the ground and do a Superman and come down and can spin around. And he's I was like, this guy's crazy. And uh, so I got interested in his story and I started to Google about him. And I, re- I learned that this guy, so before that, he, he, he didn't look like that, right? He was, he was into drinking, drugs, and partying, and he was 220 pounds, is about like 110 kilograms. He was really like, like living his life like a slob. And then what happened was he had a kid, he had a kid. And so his wife gave birth to a kid and he came out really premature. He came out about 1.5 kilograms. Let me tell you, like, just to put it into context, for those of you who don't understand what that's like, a new baby should be at the minimum around 2.5 kilograms. So this kid was one kilogram smaller. And for a kid of that age, every gram, every hundred gram counts. I remember when, when Tiffany was pregnant with Lucas, every time we go to 
go for our checkup, you know, we would check, oh, has it put on 100 gram? Has it put on another 100 gram? And every 100 gram was like, wow, that's a great growth. So for a kid to be born at 1.5 kilogram, a whole kilogram underweight, it was really worrying. And so Michael Vasquez was, look at this child, and something happened in him. Something happened in him. His love for his child, his son, is like, I got to take care of this son now. And that power of love drove Michael Vasquez to relook at how he lived his life, and he decided to change how he lived his life. You see, all of us live our life according to different kind of rules. We may think that rules are things that is binding and restricting. I don't know, when I mention rule, what do you think? But people will be like, rules, I hate it, I don't like to follow rules, and if you talk about anybody who hates rules, it's James. Like my, my, my test, when I went to do my MDF and Andrews, the psychological test results came, I am a guy who hates rules, hates following orders, and that was my challenge, and they had to work with me on that. So, and I, I, I accepted it, that's who James is, he's, he's been challenging the norm, the rules since he was in primary school, and guess who always sits outside his principal's office? Yes, James, and I, I sit there because I don't like the rules of the school. It doesn't, if it doesn't make sense to me, I don't follow it. But the thing is, right, it's not just the rules that's being given to us that we have to follow. When we choose to not follow the given rules, we actually have chosen to adhere to a different set of rules. So for Michael Vasquez, his rule was to party hard, drink hard, live life to the max in the way that I like it, don't care about anything, and then that's, that's how it's going to be. But when his son came into the picture, that power of love asked him and, and challenged him to reset his rules. And so he started changing his life around, and every day he started working out. He started incorporating things that he liked into this new form of life because he says, I don't want to die before my kid turns 10. And if the way I'm living, because I'm living for nobody, I'm probably going to die of something by the age of 40. And so he started turning his life around, and today he's the, one of the top, I think if not the top, YouTube workout uh, uh, person, influencer, and he's being paid tons of money just doing workouts online. It's just crazy. And he's become so fit, he's set up new rules to govern his life, where he'll, he'll eat well, drink clear water, and he'll exercise regularly and enjoy life and go to church. In fact, he later on was converted and he started attending church and was starting to share this positive thing that he learned about God with others. And that's transformed him from that guy who was going to die at 40 years old. Do you have rules that govern your life? Do you know what those rules are? How do you live a life? See, it could be as simple as every day, what time you decide to wake up. Are you one of those who decides to wake up after three snoozes and then you have to rush through your breakfast or you don't have time for breakfast and then you run downstairs? You know, in Singapore, we're really blessed. In Singapore, you can run downstairs and if you miss the bus, all you really have to wait about seven minutes the next bus come. In Australia, when I used to do, go to uni, if I miss the bus... It's 30 minutes. And if I miss the bus, most likely I'll miss the train, which means it's one and a half hours. So like if I miss the bus, I always just turn my, turn my head, I go back to bed because that's it, my day is over for, for just missing a bus. So in Singapore, right, you miss the bus, it's fine. You know, get on the next bus, you miss the MRT, it's fine. The next MRT is coming in two minutes. It, it, was, it blows my mind when I first came back to Singapore that there'd be guys, right, the train is leaving and they'll run like, ah, dash for the train. That's for the MRT and the MRT go and they get so angry, so frustrated. And even before that passion of anger passes, the next MRT is here. And I'll be at the back of like, 
dude, it's not worth it. It's only 7 a.m. in the morning. Calm down. You know, like, what are the rules you have chosen to live your life by? What are the rules that you set for yourself? This pandemic has tossed up some of the rules. A lot of us have rules where on Saturday, on Sabbath, we wake up, we go to church, we hang out with people, we have potluck, we stay around, we fellowship, and then we have some other programs planned for the evening. That's out of the window. That's gone for now. We're not sure where that's going to be. And then for all of you, that before this, this easing of the, the, the rules, we were like, we'll go out and have dinner with our friends. We're not really allowed to do that anymore. For the school, we were like, hang out after class, we'll, we'll sit with people. That's gonna, not going to be around for a little bit. And the biggest rule that I really wish would go away is that face mask thing. Like, you can't breathe, man. You're, you can't like read people. Everybody like ninja. Like, you have to read people. You used to have the whole face to read. Now you only have to have the eyes. You have to, like, look into their soul, see how they are. It's really hard. It's really hard. So what are the rules that's governing you? But you know the word rules actually come from the Greek word that today is also the word trellis. trellis. Um, if you don't know what trellis are, let me describe what trellis are by telling you about my, one of my favorite food. In fact, it's Lucas's favorite fruit. It's the dragon fruit. It's a dragon fruit, right? It's, uh, you can buy it in white or red, and it's really yummy. It's like jelly in a fruit. It's like, I don't know, you know, it's awesome. God is, God is good, you know. But the thing about this tree, if you don't look at the fruit, when I first Googling it, see, that's the problem with today, you know. We go to the supermarket, we go to the wet market, we buy our fruits. We don't even know how they come about. We don't even know how they look like. We don't even know whether they grow on trees or grow on the floor. And so when I first Google what dragon fruits look like, I, I thought they were cactus. Well, they kind of look like cactus, yeah? The cactus, I look like, mm, what, are they, what are like cactus like flobby? They're not like, you know, cactus are supposed to be strong and independent by themselves. Wilderness, desert. And then I like, what is showing me this weird picture? And I realized these are like the fruit, the plants of the dragon fruit. And so they're like climbers. You know what climbers are? They, they need a support system. And so what farmers would do, they actually would build like this little cement wooden stem so that this, this dragon fruit plant can climb up. And it is crucial. This trellis, which is the same word for rules that we have today, this trellis is so important because if the fruit, dragon fruit doesn't grow up, if it remains on the ground, the fruit will rot. The fruit will rot. So it has to go up. In fact, the farmer's trying to prevent it from dropping. He actually like, ties it around that whole trellis, this support structure, so that the fruit goes up. It's kind of like a coconut. It goes up and then it droops over. And if you look at the picture, like all the fruits are hanging at the end of all these plants. So without the trellis, the fruit cannot come and it cannot end up on our table because it will all rot away and it will, it will just die. So trellises are important. You see this is another picture of the trellis. They build it in a whole wooden structure, like a wooden frame, and allow the dragon fruit to climb all the way up. And so this rules that is formed supports the growth of the plant to, to end up in a fruit that it's supposed to produce. So whether you like it or not, the rules you have set for your life right now will produce the fruit you've set up for it to produce. No matter what the rules are, you live, whether you like it or not, by a certain set of rules. So it's a good idea, I think, especially during this crazy time of change, to take a step back and just think about what rules are you living your life by? And whether there are some rules that's you know, no longer relevant to what, how the world functions right now, and are there rules that, new rules that you need to set up and, and then put it as a part of your life? 
You know, that, that I used to always wonder, you know, when I was young, um, I, think, I think I lived in a time before Thomas the Tank Engine was, you know, was created. I don't know. But when I grew up, I, I keep thinking that Thomas the Tank Engine was the, the creator of this phrase. It's, a, it's the, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. You know, the story goes that the train will have to move up the mountain and carrying a heavy load and, and it's so heavy, it's struggling, and so it tells itself that I think I can, I think I can. And because of that mind motivation, it was able to climb over the mountain. But I was wrong. Thomas the Tank Engine didn't. It borrowed the idea from this story called The Little Engine That Could by Warty Piper. And the phrase came from this book. And it's a little tiny book, and it says, it tells about the story of the engine who has this crazy, you guys look, in the, in the book, there's this like, huge entourage of like, zoo animals, and he was trying to bring them across the mountain, and he tells himself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. So that's something I want to share with all of you who's listening this morning. I don't think, I don't believe that's how Christianity works. But the fact is, we've told ourselves that's how Christianity worked for the longest time. I grew up in a, in a time where people say, how, I ask, I ask this, the mentors, the pastor, whoever, how do I love Jesus more? And then they'll say, read the Bible more. They'll say, pray more. They'll say, go to church more, serve more, do more things, and that will result in you loving Jesus more. And for the longest time, I, I accepted that. I, I may have even said it myself as a pastor, but then I realized it doesn't work. At the very least, it doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work for everyone. It's not just like by a mental determination. If it's up to me, then Christianity doesn't work. Because that's the reason I came back to Christianity after living this faith for a little while was because I realized this faith tells me that my achievement and my right relationship with Jesus doesn't depend on me. Because that's what every other religion says. It's up to you. It's up to you to get to where the promise is. But Christianity says it's, it's not about that. It's not about how strong you are mentally. It's not about how hard you try. It tells us, in fact, that you can't. You can't achieve it by trying harder. See, trying is saying over and over again that tomorrow will be different but staying mostly in the same old pattern. Don't you think that's how your life has been the longest time? That you, you, you want to be different, you want to be more godly, you want to be more like Jesus, you want to love Jesus more, but you try and try and you're just still the same. Training is setting up a deliberate pattern of behavior or habits so that we can change. See, what I'm saying here this morning is you cannot change by your own effort because change doesn't come by you trying but you do have to prepare for the change to come. It's like, you know, trimming the sail of a yacht? Or those who have gone sailing, uh, I've only gone a few times. I, I, don't re- I, I depend on everybody else to, to teach you what to do. But one of the things if you go sailing is this, is you cannot, for the life of you, move the boat unless the wind comes. You cannot, like, want the wind. You cannot, like, let there be win. You're not Jesus. Right? You can't do that. Right? You're, not, you're not X-Men. You can't do that. Right? So you cannot like want wind to come and then, and then blow your sailboat. But what you can do is to trim your sail, prepare your sail, and then you need to wait. You cannot be like, let's wait till the wind comes and I open up my sail. By then, you'll be blown all around the boat. You can't even stand. You can't even open up the sail. So you got to like set it up, set up the framework, set up being ready to catch the wind. 
And when the wind comes, the sailboat moves. I think Christian life is more like that. You know, although by preparing the sail, by having all this framework in place, it may not guarantee, it may not guarantee that you will move or you will grow, but without it, it's impossible. You will never grow. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 8. John chapter 3, verse 8. The story is about Nicodemus. Comes at the late, in the late of the night. And this is a guy who, I tell you, he's a, he's a Pharisee. He's a Pharisee. He knows the rules. He's lived his life by the rules that's been told to him. And the rules has been told that you'll guarantee his faithfulness and obedience to God. But he realized that it is not enough. It is not enough. It is not who I am. It is not sufficient. It's not satisfying. And so what he does in the late of the night, he doesn't want people to know, understandably, because of who he is, he goes to Jesus, goes to Jesus, who he thinks have the answer. And I think that's the best thing to do. When you don't know what to do, when you're in a place of confusion and you're lost, go to Jesus. Don't go to Google, Wikipedia, not even the Walkway podcast. (laughs) We can't solve your life problems. What we can do is actually point you to Jesus. The point of Jesus, and I, I believe Jesus can give you the answer that you need in a way that you have never imagined. And the answer is going to be unique to every single person. But you need to listen. And so Nicodemus goes to Jesus in verse 8, chapter 3 of John. Jesus answered. So he asked, oh, what must I do to get the kingdom of God? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's verse 5. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So it says, yes, you must get ready by going through a few things. First of all, there's this thing that Jesus continually emphasized, which at times we don't understand, but Jesus does it, and he did it himself. Jesus himself got baptized. He said that's the requirement of being baptized by the water is to experience the kingdom of God, you need to first take the step of decision. You know, it takes a decision that you need to like commit to it before you can change. Although the change cannot come by your effort, but you need to choose to want that change. Some of us are still stuck in a, a place where we are not changing or moving on to the next stage because we've not made the commitment that is obvious. God has asked, make the commitment. But that is not enough. A lot of us have been stuck with just that in the Christianity sense. We said, I've been baptized by the water and that's enough. But the scripture says that's not enough because you need to be baptized, filled, soaked by the Holy Spirit. There's an intense neglect of the work of the Holy Spirit, especially in our, our church, the Adventist church. I think we're kind of like, kind of scared of it. But the Bible is really clear. Jesus says you need to be baptized by the water and the Spirit. Then he goes on to describe the Spirit. Then the, the, the other problem we have is we try to control how the Spirit works. By the way, the Holy Spirit is God. It's weird. Like We don't try to control God the Father. We don't try to control Jesus. But many times I hear people trying to control the Holy Spirit. It goes to the point as far as they're denying the Holy Spirit being a person. To like, he's like a 
magical spell. If you claim a certain promise from the scripture, he has to do that work for you. I don't don't think so. I don't think so. Although he he keeps his promise, but I don't think he's blackmailed, held hostage by his promise. I think if like, this is not like a incantation book. I bring around like, I chant the spell and God does his work. It's a letter from a God who loves you and me. It's a relational interaction. The words that's been said here is for you to understand and know Him. It's not for you to just recite mindlessly, relational, like without relationship. It doesn't work that way. And so He said the Spirit works in a way that you don't understand. It just comes. It says that you hear the sound. You may know its presence, but you don't know where it comes from. Right, physics teacher will say, I tell you, I can tell you where it comes from. It's from the mountain blocking the wind. But you still don't know where it originates from. And the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works in our life in a way that we don't understand. And the Spirit help is the one that actually activates growth and change. But you have to set up the rules of life in order for the Spirit to, to catch the Spirit. You know, if to use the, the term of the sailboat, to, to catch the wind. Because if you're not set up, you may not experience him. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5, back into what Jesus is preaching on the mountains. Matthew 5, 13. We finished the whole series on the Beatitudes, and now we're moving on to the next part of the, the, the sermon by Jesus. And I think one of the key things as we dwell into setting up rules for life, I'm going to break down different rules that you can look at and maybe incorporate into your life in the next few Sabbaths. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do because everyone's going to function differently. But this is the premise I'm, I'm sharing from. Matthew 5.13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled upon people's feet. So the salt of Jesus' time was a little bit weaker than the salt we have today. And the salt then will actually lose its saltiness after a long period of uh, humidity. You know, it doesn't hold on to the, the saltiness as well as, as, as our current chemically produced salt. But one thing that Jesus described is that you and I are salt. Key lesson, the salt don't know that they are salty. The salt don't know that they are salty. But in interacting with others, they bring about saltiness. So the first thing about having the rules of life guiding your, your, your you know, when you're following Jesus in his footstep, when you're becoming more and more like Jesus, you actually don't know that you're doing that. The salt doesn't know. But then when you interact with people, you bring about a blessing. You bring about a saltiness, adding flavor and drawing out the, 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 the fragrance of the food, the flavor of the food by you being a part of it. So, but you can find out whether you're being salty by looking at your surrounding environment. Are you blessing your environment? Are people being brought out to be who they are as better people, as loving people, as more Christ-like people when you interact with them? If they are not, Maybe the saltiness is not working. But then there's also another thing. If you don't active, actively interact with those around you, you will 
lose your saltiness. This pandemic has caused us to be separated. The church physically has not been able to gather as much as, as, as usual. And that's a challenge. And we tend to become more introverted. You know, we've just enjoyed just staying at home, either due to fear or just laziness or just habit or just, just because, you know, life is like that. But the problem is if you stay in that mode of operandi too long, you will lose your saltiness. So I'm challenging the church as we go through this series on having the rules of life to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, which is set for us to follow, that you challenge yourself to not just keep to yourself. In a safe way, in a healthy way, challenge yourself to get out of where you are, to interact with people in a way that you will become a blessing because that blessing, blessing others, is where the Spirit works and the Spirit will bless you in the midst of all that. So as we go into the new series, keep t- listening in, keep asking yourself, keep preparing yourself for the Spirit's work. And the closest song, again, with our, I'm just going to set it as a theme song for a little while, from the DC 2020, 2019, it starts with me. <laughs>